0: How can i possibly you know conquer all these fears but in this healing process that i've gone through and that i write about it's actually not about conquering our fears at all it's about mastering love and then the fears fall away welcome to radically loved
1: radio i am your host rosie acosta yoga teacher and teacher trainer mindfulness coach, speaker, and creative writer. I am also the founder of RadicallyLove.com, a website where you can go for more information about yoga, mindfulness, meditation, and lifestyle advice. On this podcast, we talk to people within our health and wellness community that are creating content through the ritualistic practice of yoga, meditation, or overall mindful living. We hope to create value in your life so that you can achieve your highest potential and live a radically loved life. To stay in touch with us, just follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Rosie Acosta and on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie. You can sign up for our newsletter on radicallyloved.com to stay up to date on future workshops, retreats, and latest podcasts. I hope that Radically Loved Radio leaves you feeling inspired to create something powerful. My teacher, Yoga Rupa Rod says, if you powerfully believe in the value you have to offer the world, your love and passion for it will be an unstoppable force thanks for listening hey guys most of you know that i have returned back to a plant-based diet so my beverage consumption has increased quite quite a bit don't judge. I know there's some of you out there that really enjoy beverages. So one of my favorite things to drink lately, which I'm consuming a lot of is Four Sigmatic's new golden latte mushroom mix. It has shiitake and turmeric in it. It's totally organic, caffeine-free, vegan, and only one gram of palm sugar per serving. I love being able to travel with these little packets because they're really easy to make. All you need is some hot water. Some of the additional ingredients in the golden latte are adaptogenic Tulsi, warming ginger, and a pinch of black pepper to support turmeric skin-loving properties. So not only do your insides feel amazing, but your skin looks great. Go to Four Sigmatic now and enter promo code RADICALLYLOVED, that's R-A-D-I-C-A-L-L-Y-L-O-V-E-D to get 15% off of your entire purchase. Be sure to check out all the other products that they have there as well. I've been wanting to talk to you, Corinne, for uh, a couple months now, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's been a little while, so I'm so excited so, we're finally connecting.
1: I know, and you wrote this incredible book, uh, and I want you to just, before before I get into it, if, if you could tell our listeners who you are and a little bit about you, and they'll obviously figure out why I'm going to be really excited to have a conversation with you.
0: Awesome. So my name is Corinne Zopko, and I am the author of this new book called From Anxiety to Love, A Radical New Approach for Letting Go of Fear and Finding Lasting Peace. And I wrote this book out of my own journey through multiple anxiety disorders, really debilitating anxiety, panic attacks. And my issues with anxiety began at a very young age. So my first diagnosis came around the age of like two. I think I was I was one and a half or two years old when I was first diagnosed with separation anxiety. And I like to refer to fear as like a shapeshifter. So fear will show up and then maybe you try to tackle it and conquer that fear. And then the fear kind of maybe goes away, but it really just sort of goes underground and comes out in some other way. And that was the case for me was, although the separation anxiety got better, I, as I grew, developed a lot of phobias. I really fixated on my health. So I had a lot of illness anxiety, and that lasted throughout my adult years, where any little pain that I felt, I would immediately go to the worst case scenario. You know, it meant I was dying. And It would be really intense anxiety and I'd often go to the doctor and, you know, get a clean bill of health and magically that symptom would go away because it was, you know, brought on a lot of times by just my fixating on it, my worry. But the panic attacks began when I was in college. They were sort of precipitated by an event that came about where a student who I didn't actually know died very suddenly of meningitis. And it just freaked me out. I was like, how can somebody be okay one night and then dead the next morning? And I was petrified the same thing would happen to me. Mm -hmm. In addition, I often wrestled with big questions. Like, why are we here? What's the point of this? If they say that God is love, I'm sure everybody's heard that expression, but I always had this thought in my head. Well, if God is love, how can the loving God create things that die? Like that just didn't make sense to me. It did not make sense to me at all. And so when this happened, when this student died, I remember feeling this spike of fear just come up through my body and I got all tingly and shaky, but I it was during the day, so I was able to kind of just talk myself down for a minute, get through the day. But 3 a.m. that next morning, I literally felt like I was punched in the stomach by stress hormones. I remember waking up and sitting upright in my bunk bed, which was on the top bunk, feeling like I couldn't get enough air in, sweating, trembling, climbing down my bunk bed ladder with my knees like buckling. I could barely hold my own weight and I thought I was dying. I thought I was having a heart attack. And it turns out most people who I know, I didn't go to the ER that night, but I don't know a statistic, but I know there is one that many people who go to the ER thinking that they're having a heart attack are actually having a panic attack. So mm-hmm. that was the first experience of panic attacks which would then visit me out of the blue for years and I at this time, actually it was this very first night when I was having a panic attack on the the bathroom floor of my suite in in college, I picked up the phone And I called my mom. I called home. It was like 3 o'clock in the morning. Now, I sleep like my mom does. I sleep in earplugs, a white (laughs) noisemaker, like anything to block out noise. And she sleeps the same way. So it was a miracle. From across the house, she heard the phone ring at 3 a.m. And she got up and answered the phone. And there I was, you know, utterly just a mess and panic-stricken. And we figured out I was having a panic attack. And she said to me, Corinne, I've tried to talk to you about this book called A Course in Miracles before, but you haven't wanted to hear it. However, I think it would be really helpful because it's all about embracing and remembering the peace and the joy and the love that's already within you. And in that moment, I honestly felt like I would never know peace and joy again it felt like this was going to be my new normal i never for for a long time actually when the panic attacks would just show up i i always wondered you know would i ever feel comfortable again just on a day-to-day basis without being so afraid that either something bad was going to happen or that i'd have another panic attack so i said game on i'll try anything and i think that following weekend was when i went home for the weekend and she gave me a copy of the book and It spoke to me in a way that nothing else ever had because I needed answers to those really deep existential questions. And A Course in Miracles has really been the only pathway that's really clicked for me. There have been other helpful things, but this has really gotten to the root of the fear. Now, I want to be very honest and open that it wasn't like a switch just flipped and suddenly I was anxiety free. It was gradual because I would go to A Course in Miracles and, and for anybody listening who doesn't know, A Course in Miracles is a book. It is a book that is a metaphysical and spiritual and psychological text. It's all about working with your thoughts. It's about, you know, diving into your mind and, and uncovering the, the fearful thoughts to allow those thoughts to be replaced with an awareness of the love that we really are Mm -hmm. so it's a really a complete system of awakening in this this little textbook so I dove in and I would often read parts of it that made me feel better and then I'd put it down and go back to doing what I was doing so the anxiety the panic attacks lessened but like I said before fear being a Mm shapeshifter The panic attacks got better. However, I could not go near a hospital without feeling like I was gonna pass out because those places just freaked me out. (laughs) I I couldn't travel. I would, if I had to travel, I would be like obsessively worried about that plane flight for weeks in advance. And when the time of the flight would come, I'd literally like write a goodbye note to my family just in case, you know, the, the plane went down. And I would have to white knuckle pretty much the whole flight either like trying to keep myself in a state of meditation mm-hmm. or I would just like give up and just take a pill and be on medication yeah. so I'd be you yeah. know moderately relaxed and so the fears still came out in other ways and that was almost it what happened as time went on was that I was then later this is about 2009 I was in a work situation that no longer fit, couldn't find another job because it was the recession and no other doors were opening, and I had the summer off from my job, and I remember it was August 15th. It was literally two weeks before I was supposed to go back to work on September 1st, and my psyche exploded again. I went back into the thickest, most debilitating episode of anxiety. It actually felt worse than the first time because I couldn't get off the couch. I I it was like a two week long panic attack. I couldn't function. It was hard to eat. Um it was it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. But at that time, it was so significant and actually such a blessing because it showed me that I was using my spiritual practice as a band-aid. I was just doing bits and pieces of it to feel better and then going back to doing what I used to do. There wasn't this Fundamental change in my identity from Corinne, you know, as a, as a yeah. body, like a yeah. small sense of self, into a self with a capital S that is aware that there's something much greater at play than just what our body's senses show us. And as I started diving into this spiritual work more deeply than I ever had. The anxiety literally started to fall away, as if I was a snake shedding old skin. It literally started just falling away. The panic, the the fears of of illness. There were definitely, you know, blips here and there. But even now, I just am so amazed that like I can fly without any of the issues that I mentioned already, and and be in a turbulent plane and be at peace, which to me is like one of the most miraculous experiences because I never thought that I would be somebody who could be comfortable on a plane. So at that time when I just was healing, I started writing about what was helping me and the result comprises the pages of, Mm -hmm. of from anxiety to love.
1: Oh my, I love, do you know, we have like such a parallel experience with, with how you, you processed the anxiety and how it started. And I, I mean, that's one of the reasons why this book resonated so much. I mean, I felt like I was right there with you. And I'm like, oh, this is exactly what happens. And I really love that you speak to all of the fears and going into the fear and letting go of it and really sort of diving into that. um, Because I feel like so many of us maybe now, you know, back when when I was experiencing it and it it, it maybe was a little bit earlier um, than you, it was, it was uh, maybe actually, no, it was probably around the same time. I was uh, a teenager. I think it was right before my 13th birthday when I experienced my first full on, uh, panic attack where I had to go to the hospital. And then they, Mm. they did the whole, like they plugged all the, you know, the EKG and like all the, the medical stuff, you know? And I remember my body was shaking Mm -hmm. and I remember the nurse looked at me and then looked at the doctor and was like, She's shaking. I think she's going into shock. And I remember feeling like, wow, that sounds really bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, it. That just, it just was so, such a traumatic experience. Uh, of course, setting aside the fact that, you know, I, I kind of grew up in a very chaotic environment. And I had PTSD and like there was all this other stuff going on. But I hadn't, it had never manifested in a way where it caused the physiological response like the one I was having. And then that kind of set the tone for the rest of my uh, teenage years. I just was, I suffered from the same, the same uh, type of attacks. You know, they were debilitating. Like I would go to school and I had to go the same route. If anything deviated, like I had so much anxiety about something going wrong. And at the same time, you know, I I can relate to the story about, you know, the girl dying from meningitis there was uh, a couple of friends of mine from elementary school that had died we were going to different high schools and they had died during the el nino uh storm in in the wash they had ditched school and this was something that we used to do as teenagers and like they had ditched school and all i kept thinking i'm like wow this is something that i could have been at that place you know but now like my friends like from childhood basically died you know and it was just kind of like this compounding of of the fear, right? Fear of death, fear of doing anything, fear of, of, of going to any place. Like it was, it was so bad that, you know, back then there wasn't, there wasn't any, uh, oh, let's, you know, try these meditative practices or let's talk about, you know, your, your breath and how you're breathing. And, you know, all these different modalities that we have now, it was just, let's get you on medication, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so I did that for a couple of years and it, it affected me in, in other ways, which, you know, people can research to see what, what, what the effects of long-term anti-anxiety medication can do. But mm-hmm. it was just one of those things where I, I felt like I was getting no respite from the the fear and and the anxiousness because I felt like it, it, the same thing like I was going to die like I just felt like death was there and it was at any moment my heart was just gonna give give way and when this stuff was going on I'd also been diagnosed with a heart murmur so now I have this heart condition that can potentially in a panic <laughs> set me to you know that place that that you fear you know and so. I think that everything that you that you discussed in this book was very similar to the path that I took. You know, you found the course in miracles, I found yoga and meditation, you know, and this idea of of being in a place where I felt safe and I felt like oh there there are other things that I can do to be calm and and the world is a beautiful place and we are being taken care of and it's not scary and life isn't this, this awful place where terrible things happen all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just really about changing, um, my mentality and, and, and looking inward in a way that wasn't going to, um, perpetuate the, the anxiety cycle, especially the physiological response. So reading this and, and talking to you, I can, I can so relate, you know, with, with this. And I feel like um, you know, for like, for example, my parents had no idea like what was going on. They thought I was on drugs. They thought that, you know, I was hiding stuff from them and, and they didn't know what was going on. They thought I was like bipolar, you know, they didn't know what was happening with me, you know? And I remember my dad got me a book, um, called don't panic and I can't even remember the author, but I'm sure I can find it. And I remember uh, reading about the breathing and how you can begin to sort of um, uh, diminish the physiological effects just by changing your breathing. And I remember that working for me. And I carried that book around with me everywhere. And it wasn't obviously until years later where I began to research uh, about anxiety more and how it, it was directly related to your mind and, you know, all that Mm -hmm. stuff that that you talk about. So,
0: Wow. I guess to all of the commonalities in our experiences. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like I have so many things. You said so many good things that I want to respond to. And one of them, I'll just start with what you said about not having any respite from the fear. And that was my experience in these really debilitating acute episodes and that respite is, I feel like what we sometimes really need to keep going, you know, we need those little breaks. And so that ultimately that respite ultimately can only come from within, right? It can only come from, from this change of mind, from doing this, this inner work. However, when the fear is so, so, so super intense, I am grateful that you brought up the whole medication thing. And of course, everybody listening needs to just, you know, talk to their their doctor. doctor but I'll just yeah. share my experience that I agree that, you know, the long term we, we have to look at studies about what, you know, um, long term use of the anti-anxiety medications can do. But I also take a middle of the road approach that those times when my anxiety was so bad, the only thing that gave me respite was temporarily relying on medication.
1: Oh, I agree for sure. Oh my gosh.
0: It was just Mm -hmm. like, oh, I can breathe. You know, I can Mm -hmm. eat something finally. And, um, however, in my practice, what I would do would be, and this is based on, you know, what I write about in the book and in the course is that rather than taking that pill just unconsciously, I would literally say, okay, universe, spirit, inner therapist, which is what I call it in my book. (laughs) Yeah. I'm taking this pill with you and I'm trusting that my need for it is going to fall away the moment I am ready. And that is really what happened that I just was allowing myself to be where I was. We get so caught in, I should be further along, you know, I shouldn't feel this way. We get so caught in that negative thinking, which is just ego thinking, which the opposite of the inner therapist is, is this idea of an ego of this limited, fearful, you know, sense of self and this fearful voice in our heads. We need to remember that that is just that inner critic telling us we should be different. And instead the most kind and compassionate thing we can do is to allow, allow ourselves to be where we are. And if that means temporarily taking that pill or taking time off of work or doing whatever you need to do to find that respite, do it because you are worth it and nobody is gonna do it for you. So those that, that idea of just finding that respite really hit home for me because there were times when I so desperately needed it and, and, and couldn't find it. But ultimately it is only within ourselves.
1: Yeah, no. Thank you for saying that because I feel like, especially now with with the effects that we're having with the current state of of people being highly stressed, highly anxious, with you know all the input that we're we're putting in. Um, you know, we're inocular society. I talk about this all the time. We're constantly like looking out to see what, what everyone else is doing, or uh, you know, the, the things that are going on around us where we feel so much pressure and anxiousness that we, we forget that we, we need to have some, some time to be able to reconnect to that inner therapist, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I actually want to, to talk to you a little bit about that, to speak to that part of us that is, you know, like our, our higher wisdom self, you know? For people listening that maybe are, are going through this now, and are having a hard time accessing that or or finding the right uh you know the right comfort or the right uh, information or the right book or the right quote or like just the right support around them, what would you what would you say to the people listening that are in that space?
0: That's a great question. So I would first remind people that you are not going crazy. You are learning how to become more sane. (laughs) So the number one fear, I think, when we are going through intense anxiety and panic is like, oh my gosh, I'm going crazy. Mm -hmm. No, you are not going crazy. You are being given an opportunity to learn how to change your mind, to learn how to experience miracles, which I can talk about in, in a little bit. So that's number one. Number two is... I think a very practical tool just going back to what you said before about breathing is to just immediately check in with your breath. Are you breathing from high up in your chest or are you softening your belly and allowing, you know, the breath to flow more diaphragmatically, which I think is, you know, that stressed out, shallow breath, that panicky anxious breath is Mm -hmm. all high up in our chest. So that's another thing that we can just do on a very, very practical level, Mm -hmm. but then going a bit deeper, we need to start to learn that there there are two thought systems in our mind from from my perspective from a course in miracles perspective two thought systems and we have our fearful thought system which is running the show when we're in panic <laughs> it's running the show actually most of the time um, this this fearful egoic thought system and just turn on the news you know and you'll you'll see it in action oh, yes yes And then we have this other thought system in our minds, which is the thought system of our higher self. And there's so many words to describe this higher self, higher mind. I call it your inner therapist, your, your, you know, your true self spirit. This thought system is there in our minds. However, we are so focused that fearful thought system is so shriekingly loud that it just immediately captures our attention and we don't question it. We just think because it's loud, because it hurts, it's gotta be real, you know? And and so Aww. we spend all of our time focusing on that. Yeah. We need to know and notice that that's what's happening and say, okay, this pain, this anxiety is really compelling. However, it is of the ego. It's of this fearful part of my mind and I want to choose a miracle instead. I wanna have an experience of this loving thought system instead. And this is sort of where the work happens, where we turn to our higher mind, our inner therapist and we say, "Help." <laughs> That's like the simplest of all of the prayers out there. It's just help. Help me see this differently. Help me experience something differently. This isn't this isn't just, you know, positive thinking. This is about having an experience that you are something way more awesome and way greater than you're currently identified with. And it's that experience of love Mm -hmm. that teaches us that we are beyond, you know, this tiny fearful voice. Mm -hmm. So literally the three-step process that I teach is to find your willingness to see your anxiety or your problem, whatever that problem may be differently, find your willingness to see it differently. Give that willingness to your inner therapist where literally you say, here's my willingness to see this differently, show me a miracle instead. And a miracle is a shift in perception from fear to love, Mm -hmm. or it's an expression of love. It's really about, again, expressing and experiencing the love that we are. So we want that experience, and that's what we're asking for in the second step. And then the third step is really to trust that we've asked We've given our willingness over and asked for the miracle, and then the moment that we're ready, we'll receive it. So A Course in Miracles teaches that the moment we ask, the answer is given. However, we're usually so blocked up with fear that we're not aware of that answer. We're not aware. We're not experiencing that love. Mm -hmm. So this is where meditation can come in. This is where getting quiet can come in, journaling, you know, getting out our fear just to even Momentarily experience some stillness or some quietness because if we get caught in just the first two steps, if I'm constantly saying to the universe, Help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, (laughs) I'm not leaving any mental white space for that shift, for that experience to come in because my mind is just completely occupied. So, this third step can be the hardest with just trusting, but it's also an essential part of. The process. So there's a little leap of faith in there. However, when we start to have those experiences, and I can actually give a very concrete example, when we start to have those experiences, it becomes less about a leap of faith and more just a trust that we've had these experiences before and we'll have them again. You know, we've had these these um, amazing experiences that have taught us that love is what we are, that peace is, is who we are. So can I share a quick example? Oh,
1: please do.
0: <laughs> so this relates to what you said before about the nurse saying in front of you, like, yes. oh, I think she's going into shock. She's
1: going into shock, yeah.
0: It. I could go on a tangent here about – the insensitivity.
1: Oh, oh yeah. This House is like a providers. full. This is like yes. a full another like episode yes. that we could <laughs> totally do. I'm sorry. Continue, please.
0: <laughs> yes. So I, I won't digress, but you get you know my point that that we are as anxiety sufferers highly sensitive oh, yeah. to what others. Say. So I was in a doctor's office, getting some lab work done, and the nurse who was drawing the blood, was there. And I used to, I'm sorry for anybody listening with needle anxiety. I used to have it really bad. And she said, so why are you here? And I told her, I was like, oh, I'm here because of this and that. And you know, it's just, it's nothing big, but she goes, oh, well, that's not good. And then I was like, well, it's a symptom I've had my whole life. And she goes, well, that's not good. And then she goes, don't you pass out on me? Oh <laughs> so, no. Yes, I did. No, <laughs> she no, she did not. Yeah she did. And I could have gone into, you know, a tirade about what a lousy nurse this woman was (laughs) for being so insensitive and like seemingly causing me to pass out. But I decided to look at this as my fearful thought system and her agreeing to play a part to, um, solidify that fearful, you know, script that, that fearful, um, experience really. She she sort of I was already feeling fear and she met me right there and agreed to just amplify that fear. And so I chose to look at it that way and when I went onwards met with a doctor, he gave me another prescription, only this time I had to go to a hospital to get more lab work done and I already mentioned I hated hospitals. So I was still like so anxious to have to go back for this additional testing, but I was determined this time to call forth witnesses for love instead. And that was my prayer. You know, here's my willingness to see my anxiety about this differently. Show me a miracle. I want an experience of love and just help. So I showed up to this next appointment. I was still really anxious, but I walked in the door to this outpatient, you know, wing of this hospital. Behind the desk was the mom of one of my college roommates, and I had no idea that she worked there. So immediately it was like, oh, a friendly face. Now, I thought initially she was the receptionist, but she was not. She was, a, you know, a technician. She was a nurse. She walked me in the back. She did the lab draw. We chatted the whole time about, you know, my, my friend, her daughter, and no pass out response. It was easy and over and done with. And then the most striking thing for me was when I was leaving, this was a Monday, she she turns to me and she says, as I'm going out the door, she's like, oh, Corinne, she's like, it's, you know, really awesome that you came today. She's like, I never work on Mondays. I got called in 30 minutes before you showed up. If that's not, I get goosebumps every time I tell this story, because if that's not an expression of love, you know, an experience mm-hmm. of love after having sincerely asked the universe for, you know, something different for a different experience. Yeah. That really helped me to put my trust in this process that there's something greater going on here. And in every given moment, I have an opportunity to either perceive with that fearful thought system and strengthen it and, you know, call forth more witnesses to that fearful thought system, or I can say, no, I'm going to call on something different that's within me and I'm going to, I, I want to see this differently instead. I want to see the miracles that are there, the yeah. expressions of love that are there instead. So that's my example.
1: <laughs> oh my, that's so great. And I, I love that example. And thank you so much for, for sharing that. I feel like, as I said, I think we can we can spend a whole nother, you know, hour talking about, <laughs> talking about those. But um, I, I want to be able to Talk about the the process that you talk about in the book. Like there's different steps that you you go into. I love um, the questions and the reflections that you have in there, and you know the the sort of prompting to self inquiry. I really enjoyed that. Um, also the the um, the mind strengthening mantras that you you write about. Um, can you like just? just to kind of go back on on the process uh, in reading the book and how this could help somebody who's going through these types of episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, how, you know, for, for, I mean, for me, I really enjoy having, I love journaling, I love writing. I, I really found that for me, that was such a huge tool during this process. Um, and it, it sounds like it was for, for you as well. Mm -hmm. For the people listening, um, what's the first thing that you think they need to do? They, they want to begin to ratify these episodes that are happening, but they're kind of having a hard time. Maybe they're listening to podcasts. Maybe they're listening to this particular podcast. Where, where can they begin?
0: That's a wonderful question. So (sighs) one of the very first ways to begin. And you mentioned already that I I have a lot of exercises and journal prompts in the book. I found journaling. Now, I don't journal in the typical sense of like documenting what happens. My journal is a tool. So I use it. I literally only write in it when I'm going through something difficult. So if you were to read my journal, you would think I was the most miserable person in the world. But nowadays I only write in it rarely. I used to fill up my journals quite quickly and now it'll be, you know, months will go by before I'll make an entry because I need it then, you know, and I, it's like the time between those episodes is, is much, much longer. So I would say to anybody listening to get started, get a journal, get a pen, and one of the first things you can do is write out every single fear in your mind that you can identify. Get it out. That was one of the things that my mom said to me that very first night that I was having a panic a panic attack on the bathroom floor. She said, Corinne, she said, when you get your fears out, they don't have as much power over you. And I think that that's true. I feel like our fears can just swim and circulate in our minds and just we operate, you know, subconsciously by them. But when we start to get them out and get them out on paper, we start to take our power back. We start to be able to see them for what they are, which are fearful thoughts or fearful, you know, beliefs. So. Write out every thought you can think of. I just did this recently in an online class that I was teaching and somebody said, I'm af- I was afraid that my list would go on forever. And she was pleasantly surprised to see that her list actually wasn't that long. So do this, get it out. And then the next, you know, really the gist of the whole healing process is to now, and I talk about this in, in many of the different exercises in the book, start to look at each fear individually with your higher self. So you're not looking at these fears alone, because if you look at them alone, they're going to feel overwhelming. It's going to be like, how can I possibly, you know, conquer all these fears. But in this healing process that I've gone through and that I write about, it's actually not about conquering our fears at all. It's about mastering love. And then the fears fall away. So anxiety falls away as you begin to remember your true self. If you think about an onion and the center of the onion is love and then all the layers of the onion are layers of fear that we've put on top of that love we're no longer aware of the love but the moment we become aware of it it's like it, it like the sun shines away the fog it's like those layers just fall away so this process is about mastering the opposite of fear which is love and finding that the anxiety falls away so The first thing people can do is to write out their fears. The second thing is to turn to your inner therapist and look at each fear individually. And you can say, okay, inner therapist, I'm looking at fear number one with you. I want to see this differently. Show me the miracle. I'm handing it over. And you can go through the list with each of those. And there's other ways that you can work with this list that I talk about in the book. For instance, you can even dig a little deeper and ask, What does this fear show me about what I believe? And it might be, you know, if the fears are all about sickness, which is what mine were for, for, you know, I'd say the bulk of my list was always about, you know, physical things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, if I'm afraid of dying, if I'm afraid that I have a physical illness, what does that show me about what I believe? It shows me I really think I'm just this body. It shows me I really think I'm just Corinne and that this is all that there is. So, wow, I really, really do believe that. And I'm going to look at that belief with my inner therapist. So we can really start digging into these subconscious beliefs and looking at them and asking for the shift. Because when the the core belief that needs healing is that we are separate from love, that's that's really the bottom line belief that we all have in our minds is that we think that we're separate. And the moment that we start to touch that and heal that, the other fears just fall away. So I hope that that's a simple way to begin. And, and as you mentioned before, with all the different questions and reflections and things in the book, the book is really meant to be that guide to progressively go deeper and to, you know, unearth those fears to really learn how to master love and have this shift in identity from a limited sense of self to the capital S self, the true self that we all share, to know that we are something much greater than just what we perceive on a day-to-day basis.
1: Oh, I love that. That can, Yes. <laughs> 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 that was so, so well put. Um, I, I feel like if we're able to really tap into that and, and move into that frequency, I think it would really help... Uh, you know, create the the opposite reaction, you know, along with, of course, there are other things that we can do, right. But I think the initial is such a, a, a beautiful and sustainable place to start and to always go back to.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because we really, our fears can feel like they have such power over us. And so we really have to start at the very beginning with Figuring out well what are those fears, and you know, making that list and and getting them out, and that's another recommendation for anybody. Oh, I went through a solid year of horrendous insomnia. I literally slept, I think, for like maybe a, a couple of hours each night. And for anybody, I you know, I always used to think, oh, insomnia, like you just you're you're you don't sleep good one night, and so you're really tired, and you sleep good the next night. That's not how it works at all. One of the things that helped me in coming out of that was whatever those fears were, I would write them down before I went to bed or whatever the thoughts were, even just the simple to do's, you know, the things that I feel like I need to attend to get them out on paper before you go to bed. So they're not swimming around in your head as you're trying to fall asleep. It's a great way to just, you know, settle into the moment. What
1: are some words of wisdom that you live by? (sighs)
0: I, one of my favorite quotes from the course, which is immediately what comes to mind, thinking of words of wisdom, is that it, it says, if you knew who walks beside you on the way that you have chosen, fear would be impossible. And I really live by that now in just trusting that there's something greater. There's love's presence is in us right now right here. And if I really knew that fear would be impossible. And so, um, that's one of my most favorite quotes and, and things that I really love to live by.
1: Oh my goodness. I love that. Corinne, I, I literally can talk to you for like (laughs) (laughs) hours, but I do, I do. It's, it's coming close to that time. And, and I do want to get a couple more questions in before, um, before we close i mean i definitely want to have you on again if, if that would be willing. awesome i would um, love to you know really it it's about connecting to to the bigger tapestry of life it's why i created the podcast right so you you may have heard me ask all of my guests this question and um The idea is that we are completely supported by the universe, source, God, whatever, higher power of your understanding. The world works for us and not against us. Um, And it's the idea that we are all radically loved and radically supported. So in your life, it's a two-part question. How do you feel radically loved and what do you radically love?
0: Mm, I love these questions. How do I feel radically loved? I feel that that quiet space in me, that we all share, it's in you, it's in everybody listening, it's in every single one of us in this world. This quiet space within us is pure radiant love and it loves us regardless of what we do, what we think, what we make, what we, you know, any any mistake we think we may make, this is where our worthiness is. And if we can remember, there's another quote from the course, and I'm paraphrasing, but it says something to the effect of that nothing that you do or think or make can establish your worth. Your worth is established by God or by love or by the universe. So if if so, I feel radically loved by that part of my capital S self that we all share. And I want everybody else to be able to access this for themselves as well, because there's no need for us to feel unworthy or unloved because love is in us always. Mm-hmm. That's my first part. Um, the second one was, was what do I radically love? Yes. <sighs> I'm gonna tell you that I radically love my pet chickens. <laughs> I'll bet you you've not had anybody <laughs> not say one. this before. Not one. <laughs> they just popped into my head so I'm going to go with it I have a wonderful husband and family and I radically love them also but I want to talk about my chickens and they um I have five pet chickens right now and there are two of them that are my lap chickens that love jumping on my lap I love holding them they love being held and so when I am stressed I'll literally be like I need to go hold a chicken (laughs) and I'll go outside and hold one of my chickens and I never knew that I I could love a chicken or <laughs> this, you know this wow. um feathery animal so yes <laughs> i love
1: that so much uh, I,
0: I, I also carry a chicken purse so that is, best,
1: <laughs> that is the best answer to date the last in the last two years i've been doing it for sure i, I would say i love
0: it i love it my you, chicken you yes. <laughs>
1: So for the people listening, uh, that are wanting to get more information about you and what you do,
0: uh, where can they go? My website from anxiety to It's the same name as my book. And I have, um, videos and, and podcasts and blogs. And of course I'm on all social media as well. So my handle, Corinne Zupko.
1: Well, I am so, uh, honored and privileged to have had you on the show. Corinne, I so value the work that you do and i just i'm so happy to have people like you uh in our community that are out there trying to create more tools more support and more love for people out there who are you know suffering from anxiety and are just suffering from feeling disconnected so thank you for doing that
0: Thank you, Rosie, from the bottom of my heart. It was such an honor to be here with you on your show. And
1: before we disconnect, I was hoping, if you didn't mind, to maybe lead us through a short maybe meditation uh, that would really help us.
0: Absolutely. So if you're not driving while you're listening, if you're in a place where you can close your eyes, allowing your eyes to close, and if your eyes are open and you're listening, you can just fully be present to whatever it is that you see. And allow your attention to turn within and just taking a few deep breaths if you'd like to just settle into this moment. And turning to a place in your heart where you can connect with your willingness. Your willingness to see differently, your willingness to experience miracles and your willingness to release the world and all you thought it was. Basically the willingness to be taught. And when you feel yourself connecting with that willingness, just feeling into it for a moment. And then in your mind, turning to your inner teacher, your higher mind, which is a part of you. It's not anything outside and offering your willingness to your inner teacher, your inner therapist and saying here you go, here's my willingness. Show me the miracles instead. And just imagining that you have released your willingness to see different to, to see differently, you've released maybe any problem that you're carrying just handing it over. And knowing that you'll Receive that shift the moment that you're ready. So, taking a nice, mindful breath in and out, and coming together to our perception of right here, right now. Ah.
1: Karen, thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Rosie.
1: Uh, Thank you for everything. And you're amazing. And I'm I'm looking forward to the next one.
0: Me too. I'm giving you the biggest virtual hug right Ah! now.
1: (laughs) This podcast is brought to you by our very special sponsor, Ayurveda. So Ayurveda is the sister science to yoga. Ayurveda relies on the intelligence of Mother Nature and our own body's ability to heal. Most of you know that as a health coach and a nutritionist, I have spent most of my career always trying to find more natural and holistic modalities. I have an autoimmune disease, so this makes it a little bit more challenging, but it's manageable nonetheless so long as my body is in full balance. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to my dear friend and fellow podcaster, Sahara Rose, and I was telling her I was having all of these issues with my stomach, my digestion, and she recommended this brand called Uveda. So I did my due diligence and I researched them and I found that this company has really created uh, an incredible brand of supplements to support everything that we love about our bodies and our body's natural ability to heal, but also using the tools of Ayurveda. So they use this as their foundation to everything that they do. As with everything, I'm always a bit dubious because I know there's not a one-fix-all supplement or brand, but I tried it. I used both the joint supplement and the digestion, and I'll tell you, After using it for about a month, I noticed such a huge difference. They are just such an incredible company and I was able to chat with them and talk to them not only about the high quality of their product, but the high quality of their brand and their company and what they're trying to do. I quickly found that these people are my people. And all we're trying to do is create a ripple effect in the world so that we can continue to impact people's lives and create better health, deeper connections, and just overall healthy living. I'm so excited to not only partner with them, but to have them share a special code for all of the listeners. Go to uveda.com and type in Rosie, that's R-O-S-I-E, at checkout to get a special discount on all of their products. Do you want to go on an epic yoga adventure? I do. In fact, I I, I do all the time. <laughs> when, when do I not want to go on an epic yoga adventure? And this fall, in an attempt to see the Northern Lights, we will go to Iceland into a journey through the chakras. It's going to be fun. If you're curious, you can email me at rosie at or go to the show notes and click the links to each of the retreats or you can go to radicallyloved.com. See you soon. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us. Message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes. Write a review. We love doing this, so please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.